Hi everyone, I'm Kim Winter, Global CEO of Logistics Executive Group. Thanks for joining us for another engaging vodcast. If you haven't already subscribed to our YouTube channel, Logistics Executive TV, please do so. Um, we have plenty of uh, episodes on there over the last few months. Uh, today I'm joined for part two of uh, post-pandemic air cargo world with uh, the three amigos of the uh, air cargo world over the last 20, 30 years. Stan Rake, President and CEO of SASE, based in, uh, in Montreal. G'day, Stan. G'day. And uh, also joined by Ram Menon, former DCP hey. of uh, Sky Cargo at Emirates. Hey, Cam. And Des Vatanas, former head of uh, IATA Air Cargo Worldwide. Good afternoon, Kim. Thanks, gentlemen. So uh, we had a, a really good session recently just in regards to the life of air cargo in the, and the industry in general post-pandemic. Uh, for those of you who didn't catch that, then you, you can definitely see that on our, uh, on our TV channel, Logistics Executive TV, as I mentioned. So today we're going to be talking about a number of the, of the key issues moving forward. Um, the evolution of the industry, what changes are taking place, sustainability, and uh, how really air cargo will play its part in, in ramping economies and supply chains in particular back up again at pace as many of the world's countries begin to loosen up on the controls and the lockdowns that have been taking place. So perhaps, Des, if I could start with you uh, in regards to some key points from your perspective about the way you see the evolution of the industry moving forward. What are the key points from your perspective about what needs to happen going forward? Um, well, I think that, uh, Kim, uh, there'll be a great deal more collaboration. And by collaboration, we've seen uh, a lot of the airlines uh, hitherto be part of alliance groups. Uh, I think that what you're going to see is that uh, There'll have to be some concessions in terms of uh, antitrust rules, but you'll see far greater co co coordination and integration amongst airlines going forward. Um, there'll be certainly uh, the same happening within the industry itself. And I wouldn't be surprised if uh, you saw that partnership from airlines extend into the logistics and a much, much broader supply of services and integrated logistic provisions. So that'll be, uh, that'll be something we'll need to watch. Okay, thanks, Des. Uh, so what you're saying is, is much greater collaboration. You're seeing uh, organizations in, and possibly governments as well. What, what do you see, just quickly while I'm talking to you here on this, uh, what do you see happening uh, with the government influences? Well, I think from the governments, uh, particularly those where they've uh, uh, put in a great deal of taxpayer monies and where perhaps the, as a consequence, they now have stakes in those enterprises with uh, some civil servants on the board. Um, I think that's uh, probably going to work detrimentally uh, as opposed to productively. But um, certainly what I'm seeing is that uh, a new environment where you have integrated integrated to providers for the air cargo industry, where the airline starts to extend its offering beyond the airport to airport horizon. Uh, 
I can see that happening in terms of a complete end-to-end -end supply. Uh, if I may just add on, um, uh, Tim, uh, apart from the consolidation in the airline side of the business, I think we are going to see a greater uh, working relationship between the logistics operators and the uh, transportation operators, um, um, that is the freight forwarders and the shippers. And I think that the whole uh, relationship is going to be a more aligned and uh, uh, I think there will be a greater uh, emphasis on creating the transparency uh, as we go forward. Um, E-commerce will continue to be the, the driving force of the air cargo industry. Um, I think they, they, it's going to continue to grow at 20, 30% uh, year on year. Um, it, it's getting more trans-border, transcontinental. So you, you're going to start seeing a lot more of the commodities traveling uh, or, or other growth in commodities traveling uh, in, in, on transcontinental levels or across the borders. Um, traditional cargo is going to struggle a bit, uh, but it will continue to grow in the, in the near term. But where uh, I see um, uh, a challenge for um, uh, traffic is going to be the ocean liners. I think they are going to struggle a little bit. Air cargo is continue to grow. And for the next three to four years, they are, air cargo is going to be the backbone of um, all airline operation. Um, uh, but where uh, I also see is the platform, IT platforms, which will enable uh, that uh, creating that transparency will be uh, uh, coming up a lot more in um, uh, in bulk. Okay, thanks, thanks, Ram. Stan, I want to uh, throw to you. Um, we've seen globally during the last few months uh, air cargo capacity, available capacity being reduced dramatically as a result of the world's passenger airline aircraft fleets being grounded. Some of which I, I believe, and we perhaps talk about this a bit later, may be retired permanently, some of the wider body aircraft. Uh, but if we talk about aircraft, air cargo's role in the supply chain coming forward now, uh, post-pandemic, with that reduction in available capacity, what role is air cargo and all of the players in the air cargo field going to play? Is that going to change or is it going to be similar to what it was before? Well, I, I, first of all, it's not going to be the same as it was before, quite simply because the demand won't be there. I mean, you just have to look at the economic impact on companies. A lot of companies are not going to reopen. Small retailers are struggling to, to reopen. Um, and, and it's not just, I mean, the big economies of, uh, you know, on, on the axis, uh, trans-Pacific trans into the North America and North America to Europe, Europe to, to, to Asia. Um, if you look at the geopolitical imp uh, implications of, of passenger business, how many Chinese tourists are going to fly? So the wide bodies, even though they're able to fly, are they going to fly? I doubt it very much. I think that the capacity situation on the freighter side um, uh, will remain extremely tight. There's a few independent operators in that field. Uh, look at Cargo Lux, look at Airbridge Cargo, for example. Uh, their business model is totally dependent on what the forwarders do or don't do. And they're going to have to re-look re at that because um, if, this, if the forwarders are not prepared to embark on a new relationship with those independent all cargo operators, 
um, there's going to be trouble because it, it's quite simply the, the, the new demands that are going to be put in place on e-commerce, for example, uh, it's growing over 100% in the U.S., and that's not going to change. So the new demands that are going to be placed on uh, those all cargo operators is, is, are they going to adapt, and are they going to go to a, a self-sustaining virtual integration, for example, uh, which they can do. They have all the tools, they're there, they just have to implement it. And if they do decide to implement it into a, into a virtual closed loop system of their own, um, it, it, it's going to be because they need the, the revenue that would come from it. On the scheduled cargo side, uh, if the economic indicators are where we see them becoming, uh, meaning a, a real, well, we're in it, we're, uh, they don't admit it, but we're close to being in a depression already. And it, I'm sorry about that. Um, not being in a, not being in a, a depression, uh, or denying we're in the depression, should I say, uh, is foolhardy because at the moment uh, the companies that are, are, are able to use air cargo, uh, not because they have to, but because they want to for some kind of positioning or strategic positioning in the marketplace. For example, fashion goods, getting it into market for the first three, four weeks to burn as much money as you can before somebody copies it. Is that going to happen in the future? I doubt it. Uh, so what's going to happen is that the cargo that remains flying in the future will be cargo that is sensitive and is absolutely has to fly by air. And then you better be prepared to provide the services that the uh, shippers and the consignees want. And that means a new business model. There will be enough cargo uh, other than e-commerce driven consumer or business. Uh, there will be enough cargo to sustain some airlines, but uh, the airlines that do get a, a handle on that, are going to be the ones that provide some kind of uh, a, a, a next generation, shall we say, air cargo uh, model, not not the one that existed in the past. Okay, all right. Thanks, uh, thanks, Stan. Des, back to you uh, in regards to. We, I mean, we've seen all over the media, uh, LinkedIn, TV channels, uh, daily newspapers, online what have you, this, this phenomenon of uh, passenger aircraft being filled up with cargo. Uh, we've seen thousands of Im images of this. Is this an aberration or is this something we can expect to see from moving, moving on into the future or is it something that's just happening at the moment? No, it's, uh, regrettably, it's something that's happening at this time. Uh, you might get um, one or two uh, uh, very enterprising organizations uh, look at uh, combination aircraft and combi aircraft again, but with the elimination of the 747s and the bigger style aeroplanes no i think it's uh, it's going to remain pretty much either a freighter a dedicated aircraft for cargo or it's going to remain a combination uh, aircraft for both passenger and cargo uh, i just hope that um, with the wisdom of what they've uh, uh, experienced this past three four months and, and maybe for the ongoing months to come uh, that airlines will take a look at uh, the economics uh, itself and realize that cargo's contribution can be a lot, lot greater, particularly if they redesign the pie that they chase beyond the airport to airport parameters. You know, we have an industry of 500 million, uh, nearly six, six, sorry, 600 billion, not million, 600 billion, um, when the total logistics pie is a $300 billion pie. So instead of all fighting for a small piece of the 30%, 
I hope it's not going for a, a much, much bigger piece of the, uh, six, the remaining 60%. And I think that's what's going to happen. Thanks. Thanks, Dave. If I may just add on, um, the uh, putting car, uh, you know, deploying passenger airplanes for car hauling cargo, this is not the first time it's happening, and this is not going to be the last time it's going to happen. happen. It can only, uh, it's only viable when the supply is so high that the demand is uh, so low. Um, because the cost of operating a passenger airplane uh, as cargo, ferrying cargo, it's expensive. So the rates have got to be high, but those rates are not sustainable in, uh, when the situation comes back to normal. So uh, this is where, but uh, this time around, it, it'll be interesting to see if some of those uh, uh, airplanes like Air Canada or uh, who have converted, uh, they have taken out the seats and they, they leave uh, empty airplanes because there are so many airplanes surplus to requirement at the moment. So they might actually just leave it as a, 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 to offer cargo, more cargo. But the fact remains that loading and offloading a cargo, because that's completely bulk, bulk loading, that's expensive from a ground point, uh, operations point of view. So I don't think that's sustainable. Okay. So as a matter of interest, just for the wider audience here, are we seeing the entire world's capacity of cargo freighter aircraft being utilized around the clock? Or is it um, not all the time? Or you, I mean, my impression from what I'm seeing and my, my air freight background goes back into the 80s and 90s at ANSET in, in New Zealand as a GM for air freight in those days. We always had our freighters being fully utilised. Are they all being utilised now during this period that we're experiencing? It, it, it actually depends on the economic cycle. When, uh, when, when the demand is strong, I mean, uh, those airplanes are very gainfully de uh, deployed. Uh, if you go back to a few years back, I mean, the, the, the cargo industry had to park a lot of the surplus uh, 747 older capacities. And now they have been brought back because the demand is high. And for the next three, four years, yes, the demand is going to be high. And uh, depending on uh, how strong the economy is going to be as we go forward, my own feeling is it will take a bit time to recover, but it will recover. But then again, we are looking at um, businesses that, uh, in the future that we haven't even dreamed about right now. Mm -hmm. So though a lot of the old businesses might disappear, there'll be new stuff coming in because every time there's been, there has been a calamity or disaster, there has, been, uh, there has been innovation. There have been new products coming in. If you actually go back, it was SARS, which actually gave um, the e-commerce uh, a boost um, back in uh, the early uh, 2002-2001. Um, going forward from here, yes, again, the e-commerce is going to get uh, a lot of boost, continue to get boost, but there are a few other things also that might actually come up. Some of the stuff which are going to come up, we haven't even thought about it yet, but there will be entrepreneurs there working on them. Wim, uh, like interrupts, just in, uh, interject one thing. Uh, I think utilization of the existing freighter stock, uh, Atlas, for example, had four airplanes parked in a desert. It wasn't because they didn't have a use for them. They couldn't get pilots for it. 
now that's all changed, of course. I mean, there's no, no lack of pilots in the world that, that would love to fly freighters if, if before their career with a scheduled airline is, is not going to happen for a few years or permanently furloughed or laid off or whatever. So that, that, that's a great help to the all cargo industry. The average freighter should fly somewhere between 350, 400 hours a month. Anything more than that, you're going to find you have maintenance problems and everything else. So I think that, that every freighter that can possibly fly today is flying. There's no doubt about it. Uh, conversions, there's some one interesting program coming and that's it. I mean, the narrow body conversions, there's the 737 program, the A321 program, but that's limited by capacity to convert airplanes. I mean, it's not scaled up uh, for any massive increase. Uh, the only one of interest out there at the moment is the uh, 777-300ER freighter program that, that GCAS has uh, introduced. But we're talking 2022 and beyond before those airplanes even start coming into, into the rotational cycle. So the capacity that's in the passenger bellies, the 60% from before 2019, 60% of the cargo was in the passenger bellies. Um, that's not gonna, there's not gonna be enough capacity to make up for that in the short term. Everything that uh, right now, I think the analysis somebody told me two days ago was that only uh, 15 or 18% of the cargo that's moving now is moving in these passenger freighters. Uh, the, the balance is, work, is operating in pure freighters, okay? So uh, it, it's gonna be a problem, and, and, but the upper deck, um, non-sanitized, non-fire uh, compliant, uh, non-leak proof compliant upper deck is, is, is so limited in what you can put up there. Uh, and remember, there's no fire suppression systems and everything, it's not a viable long-term solution. The only solution is, uh, when, once we finally know what is going to continue to fly by air after all the macroeconomics and the, and the geopolitics getting finished with deciding how this world is going to be in the, in the next few years, what is the real need for cargo? Because a mad rush out for uh, converting airplanes into freighters will only result in a non-profitable freighter operation in the future when it all calms down a bit. So I think people better, better be yes. smart in what they do. There's another aspect here, I mean, that we need to think about uh, as far as capacity is concerned uh, going uh, into the future. Um, for the next three, uh, I'm not talking about um, next couple of years, we are talking about longer term, uh, how the passenger traffic comes back. Um, passenger traffic will come back. It might take three years, four years, but it will come back. But how does it come back? That is going to be an interesting one for cargo purely because uh, if uh, the business travel, which I think is going to be affected because now the technology allows you to communicate uh, you know, uh, uh, via Zoom and the likes of Skype and stuff like that. And there'll be uh, many more uh, new uh, platforms coming up and a platform that will allow, facilitate uh, a better interaction um, or, or via uh, uh, digitally. So if that happens, then the business class travel might actually reduce. And the first class might or might not be affected because those people uh, who can afford first class are not really affected by uh, crisis. Uh, the business class is the critical part, but there might be, uh, you know, so they, uh, visiting friends and family and tourism is probably likely to be the one that's going to drive the passenger uh, capacity in the future. If that happens, 
there will be more seats on an airplane, which will then deplete the available uh, payload for cargo. So there could be that effect that might come in, which will then also give a boost to uh, freighter utilization. Okay. Thanks, uh, thanks, Ram. Des, I just wanted to throw to you uh, in terms of the broader supply chain um, with this uh, diminishment of, of capacity that we've experienced because the PAX aircraft are pretty much grounded around the world. Although increasingly we're seeing in the last few days, of course, a lot more borders back, opening back up, still quarantines entering countries, but uh, I know there's a lot more scheduled passenger aircraft operations taking place all the way around Asia, Middle East and, uh, and the US. With the situation with that lack of capacity again, what do you see happening across the broader supply chain? Is less freight actually going to move across all different manufacturing and, and supply and demand sectors? Or is, uh, is it all going to be moving by other modes of transport? No, Kim, I, I think that um, if the demand is there, the capacity will be there. I don't think um, that, uh, you know, the, what we've seen of late is simply uh, a question of an urgent need to supply one directional flow of traffic for which governments, by and large, have been prepared to pay a premium. And because of that premium, it's been able to withstand the two-way um, cost of operating those uh, aeroplanes. Mm. Now, in terms of general economic um, market demand, if you find there's going to be markets that will re-energize and there will be a requirement for air cargo, providing the sustainability of that demand is there, capacity for that uh, demand will be provided. And, uh, and of course, where previously the passenger revenue helped to subsidize the cost of that lift, there may have to be a new realization that if you're going to have to provide that lift, that may come at a premium. But I think the commodities that move in air cargo has that uh, latitude to be able to take on that additional yield. So I don't see that as being an issue. I think that wherever the demand is, the capacity will be provided because there's all sorts of very innovative ways of getting around it. The only thing that's going to constrain it will be some regulatory uh, constraints on traffic rights. But I think you're going to find a lot of that liberalizing over the coming years. That's Kim. Okay. Yeah. Key economic forces, huh? yeah. yeah. Look at it from another point of view as well. The greatest use and the greatest value of a freighter is the Trans-Pacific because the long-haul non-stop passenger airplanes are, are, are payload restricted. Um, I think it's the 60-40 rule for passage is reversed when you, when you talk about the Trans-Pacific. 60-70% of the cargo flies in, in freighters on the Trans-Pacific. What are our geopolitics going to do to that? Meaning the China, is the China-US relationship and economic integration in a lot of ways uh, going to resume? Or is it going to be really a stalemate for the next few years? Because there's a definite anti-China uh, mentality in uh, everything from Hawaii, uh, Huawei, I should say, to uh, loss of components, even for medical kits that, that have to be sourced from China. That means there's going to be a lot of freighters that were plying the Trans-Pacific, which now we'll have to look at 
the uh, trans-Asian, uh, trans-polar route, no, sorry, not the trans-polar, the trans-Russia routes into Europe. But that now is being filled in by the trains. Uh, Siva Logistics, I understand, are, are running a truck from China into Europe in 16 days. So there, there will be some basic uh, rethinking of deployment of capacity and these people better, these airlines especially, better be start, start looking at what the future may hold for them and be prepared to have a plan B. Because if the, if, if the trade on the Trans-Pacific gets uh, downsized like they're talking, um, you know, flooding Africa with 747s or 777s or flooding uh, Europe and Asia with, with uh, the same aircraft, all that'll bring you is economic uh, ruin in the future. So they, they better have a, a, a sit down and make a, make a decision and a smart one on what they're going to do. I mean, in, in, in the uh, shorter term, I see uh, sea air uh, traffic coming back. Yep. Uh, so places like Dubai, uh, you know, Seattle, Vancouver is going to benefit. Before. Longer term, uh, both air and sea are likely to lose uh, some of their traffic to rail, as what um, um, uh, Stan alluded to, the Trans-Siberian route. Um, is becoming more and more efficient. So it really is going to be a major competitor to both air and uh, ocean. Thanks, Fram. Is, uh, I, you, you were talking before about the, the supply demand and, and, and economic forces dictating uh, what is likely to happen in the broader supply chain. Um, what I'm interested in hearing from you all now about is is really the people factor. We've talked a lot about technology. We've talked about digitization. We've talked about capacity. We've talked about the aluminum, uh, the aircraft themselves, and we've talked about the various modes of transport and supply chain. Um, what is likely to happen, do you see, notwithstanding the fact that, that an enormous number of our colleagues at all levels, at all modes across the entire spectrum of supply chain, uh, not just air cargo or the aviation sector, but the entire supply chain have um, been furloughed or lost their jobs um, or taking pay cuts. What are we likely to see moving forward in regards to the effect on talent? What sort of talent is going to be required to help kickstart and drive economies forward into the next few months and years as borders open back up and as economies look to restart themselves and get up to speed. What are the differences in the talent landscape that we're going to see? Um, well, I, I think that um, uh, just a personal view here, but uh, the type of individuals that become uh, you know, the industry is going to be looking to attract uh, are pretty much people who hitherto have no experience um, in the uh, logistics or air cargo background, uh, but who perhaps um, are very good at project leading, at facilitating, uh, introducing new ways of, uh, of, um, of doing, doing business. And, and, you know, there's a, an acute shortage of that type of talent for all industries, not just for ours. And, and so, you know, the challenge for our industry inevitably always comes to the point of why should anybody who's got that type of talent at project management, at uh, innovative and entrepreneurial thinking, 
who believes that, you know, whatever he puts in, he'll be able to optimize the return for himself and his family. Why would he even look at air cargo or look at the logistics industry? So the challenge doesn't go away. The type of individual we need is going to be wanted by every other sector uh, of the world. And our challenge is to try and make sure that we promote and market this industry as something that absolutely drives economic benefit and welfare for the economy of their countries. And the roles that they will play in that has to be the motivation to joining uh, as opposed to what got them into the industry in the old days. Yeah, I'd like, I'd like to sort of absolutely agree. First of all, I absolutely agree. I know we spend a great amount of our time. I have a, I have a div training division in my, in my company specifically for that. And, and the last five years we've been, uh, we've been involved in dealing with young managers and that, that's what our focus is. It's a, a professional advancement course that's geared towards young managers in, in aviation. And I'm afraid that some of those people, because I, I've been very impressed with the talent that are, that are coming to those courses. Uh, that we will lose them because of this retrenchment. And, and I think the, the biggest scare I have is we'll lose them because up in the boardrooms of these airlines, they just don't get it when it comes to air cargo. I think when it comes to talent, I think the first thing we've got to start with is the CEOs and CFOs and, and uh, CIOs of the companies starting to understand that cargo contribution to their survival is a hell of a lot more important than they've been giving it in the past. And if they don't wake up and smell the roses, their airline is going to probably be swept into the you know dustbin of history because it's just not going to come back that quickly in the, in the old ways of doing things. Everything the industry needs to write itself is, is available. We know that. We've talked about digitization. There are platforms. We've talked about the airports and the, the airplane technology itself, whether it's a freighter or a passenger airplane, it exists, we have it. What's missing in all this is people. And, and people who love airplanes, which is what we've had running this business in the past 40 years, are not the people we need. Because if, we, if those people are still, are still in charge, <coughs> what they're gonna do, <coughs> excuse me, if those people who love aircraft are still in charge going forward, all we're going to have is, is uh, people that don't understand how to make a true market uh, product portfolio that the market wants. They'll know how to fly an airplane, but that's not what, what uh, we need. People, people we need are people that understand logistics and love to make money and profit for their companies. And uh, they have to understand the shippers and the consignees, the beneficial owners of the cargo, not what a third party is telling you or not what an association is telling you. They have to understand what the actual person who's buying and, and willing to pay air freight wants. And you have to deliver that. Uh, if, if we don't see that happening, uh, and, and it has to start the, you know, from, the, from the top down, if the people that uh, the airlines uh, are making redundant are the ones that they truly need to rebuild their business case, we're, in, we're gonna be in sad shape. I'm just hoping that uh, this, this uh, shock of the uh, fact that uh, logistics uh, and air cargo has helped them have a, a, a some kind of cash flow during this crisis will make them aware of what is possible. $15 a kilo is not going to exist uh, you know, later on when the PPE is all delivered and everything else. But what remains, if you're only going to have a substandard or suboptimal uh, passenger load up top, 
you better optimize to the best of your ability and you need good people to do that. Make sure you have them, train them. Uh, and if they're not already trained, uh, spend some time on them and, and, and helping them to, to help your company survive. I suppose one of the things we've really noticed that uh, logistics executive is that uh, one of the divisions we have is outplacement. And of course, uh, we have a number of companies outplacing um, significant numbers of, of staff and executives who we're working with and assisting. And, but I've got to say, it's a very broad spectrum. It's a very broad church of people that we're seeing leaving. And uh, we can only hope that when organisations do start ramping back up again, then there is going to be rehiring taking place as, as well as looking for new talent. But, but as you gentlemen are saying, maybe it's a new type of uh, person they're looking for. Of the companies we're working with currently on recruitment um, across the supply chain, we've never before seen such an emphasis on uh, flexibility, on leadership. Uh, back to your point, Des, about not necessarily that the, the uh, critical functional skills or technical skills uh, those abilities to be able to be motivators, to find solutions, to be project managers, etc. as well. Ram, I just want to throw to you quickly. <laughs> just want to add on one thing. I mean, uh, you guys were mentioning that uh, you see uh, you know, good talent leaving uh, the, you know, the, the companies. Uh, the way I look at it is it is an opportunity because there's such a lot of talent available there now is for us to pick and choose. So the, 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 the pool at the moment is larger than what it has ever been in the last five, 10 years. Absolutely. So it's a question of just you know, uh, looking in the right direction and right place to I mean, pick up the right people. And don't forget, although we say logistics and transportation and supply chain, it's very varied. I mean, we, we have different skill sets within the logistics and uh, uh, transportation and, and the supply chain overall. Yeah. And those, uh, the, the talent that's available there, a younger talent that's available there, we can very quickly rescale them. Yep. And one of the uh, critical talents that which is very, very important for our industry is the information technology uh, with uh, domain knowledge. But, but Ram, you know something, what, what, what I expect will happen when we talk about same old, same old, first yeah. thing that will get cut is the training, right? Second thing that will get cut is anything that they think is an add-on that they don't need right now. That's why I said that at the board level, they have to understand that air cargo is part of a logistics service element and they should get that knowledge base into their company so that they can drive the change of a new business model to make money. Uh, it, 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 the, I, I'm just, I'm not, I don't like being a pessimist. I'm by nature not a pessimist, but when I see things like uh, uh, airplanes that were parked because of economic reasons, when we knew in advance that those airplanes would be desperately needed, when, when the actual flying started for, for everything, but people in the, in the cargo management, in the boardrooms, didn't even understand it. It took a customer to pick up the phone and phone the CEO and the, of the airline and say that those airplanes are desperately needed in order to, to put them back in the air for the national good. So what, what you're saying is a customer told an airline what his business case should be. 
that that's that's almost uh, you know shocking and and it should never have happened but it did happen yeah i, I think the government has got a role to play here yeah um, in in terms of rescaling people because uh, most governments are stuck with huge amounts of unemployment and for the governments to I mean, um, play a role in that, they have to, first of all, acknowledge logistics as a profession. Yep. Most countries, they don't. Okay. Agreed. Kim, I think you, you know, for, for yourself, um, people come to you, as you know, and they're always looking. I'm looking for a job, or you get companies coming to you asking if you can help fill certain um, gaps that they've got in their organization top to bottom. But you know, when they come to you and say, we have a, uh, a job in the cargo department, and they maybe give you a job description or whatever it is, a spec. And then you look at the other end of people coming into your door saying, hey, I'm looking for a job. And then you give them this range of options. You can imagine when they look at that just at face value, you can see what they're going to do with the logistics job, right? It's going to go probably to the bottom of the pile mm. because the way it's communicated, the way it's projected, the earning capacity, the, the excitement around it has just never, never been reflected to the reality of what the post offers. And I think that's about, you know, trying to re-engineer uh, and remarket the value, the huge value that logistics plays in driving economic and human sustainability. If I could offer something here, uh, as, as a contribution of the three amigos to you, Kim, maybe perhaps in your company, you should take up the mantle also of telling people what jobs they should have in their business case because of the knowledge of what you heard uh, from us three is the fact that in the recruitment of, of employees, uh, same old, same old is not the future and assist these companies to understand what type of people and what type of skills those people should have to make that business sustainable. Now you're very heavy in the aviation business. You've, you've, you've got our, our, our contributions to you, but I mean, you can play a role too. And I, I, I guess I can't just sit here and pitch your company, but let's just say companies like yours as well uh, should should pick up this possibility of being a uh, being a, a messenger also of the of the need for the right jobs. A catalyst. Can, can I also add on to that? Maybe I mean companies like your yourself can also help rescale the talent. Yeah. Yeah. That means I mean you you could probably offer to uh, it might not be just air cargo. It could be completely something else. But you, you, you get a trend of people uh, coming in. You know what the trends are. I mean, uh, on certain segments, uh, they, they have more demand for uh, uh, manpower or management or whatever it is. And then you try and offer to rescale the existing uh, people that you have in your uh, portfolio. It's interesting you say that because uh, our, our executive coaching practice has uh, had a real uptick which is sort of surprising because as you were saying before, Stan, one of the first things to go by the board often in downturns is in downturns economically is training, training and development. Having said that, uh, quite a number of our global clients have engaged us uh, more than usual 
around executive coaching, taking high potential talent that they've got that they actually don't want to lose, but they've got extra tasks and extra visions for them within the business. And they really want to get that extra input in to develop them across the organization. So uh, hear what you're saying. I, I think recruitment and executive search companies right across um, the spectrum, uh, all of our colleagues across different sectors, especially across supply chain, really do need to work with their clients to put pressure on them to understand where the value in a certain candidate might be. Um, I think our industry, quite frankly, has been notorious for wanting to put square pegs and square holes over the years, over the last 20 years that we've been in business, as opposed to seeing talent for what it really can be and being prepared to have them not only cross borders, but cross functions and cross activities in organisations. So I appreciate the input and I agree with you 100%. There's work there to be done and I hope if there is any of my colleagues in the executive search and recruitment industry that we keep striving to explain to our customers um, the value of candidates outside of their functional or technical skill sets. Uh, gentlemen, we've had another fantastic session. I really do appreciate all of the input. Um, Stan Rake from SASE, uh, Ram Menon, former uh, Sky Cargo at Emirates, SVP there, uh, and also um, Des Vitanis, the head of cargo at IATA. Uh, your, your input has been invaluable. Uh, the world is extremely dynamic across that air cargo space that you are all global experts in at the moment. I'm sure things are going to be changing dramatically over the, the weeks and months to come. And, and we very much hope that we'll be able to attract you to come back and, and bring commentary and opinion and views around what is going um, to happen and, and what is actually happening in the industry at the moment. I just want to finish off with each of you, really, if you could give us a throw on a, on a quick input as to what each of you would like to see your colleagues, the senior executives in the air cargo space, um, to think about and to prioritise moving forward. Um, I'm going to start with you, Des, uh, if you can give us your insights and, and what, speaking to the industry, what you really think the focus needs to be to help drive uh, the supply chain in the broader economies and in many cases governments forward and, and what roles air cargo has to play in this. Well, thanks, Kim. But just to end, my, my uh, vision and, and plea would be that uh, governments take a look at airports and the air cargo logistics as uh, a very fundamental strategy uh, when they look at their uh, aviation um, and they look at their trading corridors, not just the ports, but look at the airports uh, and certainly give the logistics infrastructure at airports a little bit of attention. I think that's fundamentally important. Uh, when I take a look at the uh, players in the supply chain, uh, my plea would be that uh, they look at a much, much more integrated relationship in a fully digitized uh, world where once and for all, the use of paper to supplement the movement of freight should not exist. And uh, that's, that's been going on for much, much uh, too long. And uh, the future would be that uh, we no longer talk in uh, partnerships along the supply chain, but one completely, completely integrated end-to-end -end, uh, operation. And I don't care whether that's run by an airline or whether that's run by a big logistics company, but it's one big uh, supply chain providing the total end-to-end -end solution. That's my vision. 
Thanks, Des. Great input. Thank you for that. Um, so, Ram, final word from you. What, what should industry leaders be thinking about as we go through this next phase economically? The world is going to be an entirely a different place, and uh, the requirements are going to be entirely different. Um, the logistics industry in itself is very, very much dependent on uh, the, the economic activities world over. Um, so there are going to be a lot of opportunities. I think that is where the focus has got to be. Um, I, I see a lot of demand uh, in uh, for logistics operators in last mile application to a, a, any of the, the business. As we go forward, airport to airport type of business is likely to completely disappear. It's all going to be um, um, door to door. Uh, in, in, in a door to door environment, um, every element of that supply chain and every uh, element of the logistics activity has got to uh, evolve. For example, uh, I would see uh, um, airport ground, uh, ground handling operators. Now they have just stopped be being a warehouse operator or um, uh, you know, airplane handlers. They have to start now looking at moving their stuff from, the, the, uh, from their warehouse to the various facilitation centers. Facilitation centers are the kind of um, logistics um, uh, real estate that's going to be more in prominence as we go forward. Uh, fulfillment centers and logistics centers because that is a part of the uh, business that's growing, the e-commerce. So do everything, focus on these things and uh, work backwards uh, and uh, as to what is needed to service that kind of uh, requirement. And that's where the focus got to be. Thanks, Ram. Uh, final word from you, Stan, just what, what should industry, just a couple of quick points perhaps on two key things for the, uh, the industry to focus on moving forward. Well, the first, <clears throat> the first and foremost and the thing that's most important is understanding that we can't, we can't revert back to what we used to do before. The business case doesn't work anymore. We need a new, completely new business model. And, and, and when we talk about a, uh, a new business model, uh, I'm talking about the fact that we don't need people to teach us anymore how to fly an airplane and we don't need people to teach <laughs> how to do the operations for maintenance and engineering and making them fly and everything else that's all there it's all set in stone what's needed is a boardroom recommendation that uh, we have to recruit people who love to develop products and also understand what shippers and consignees want and then how when developing products we engage with everybody being at the person in the airline who supplies the airplane the person who provides the IT, the person who does the handling at the airport. We, that, that, the people that we need, the leaders we need to run the air cargo departments are the ones who love to make money, develop products, and are willing to talk to shippers and consignee. That's, that's the first thing. But the most important thing for me is to get the word into the, somehow to get the word into the C-suite of the airlines uh, and the airports, I must say, as well that uh, if, if, if they don't start taking uh, the profession of logistics as a core competence and their role in the air part of logistics being so valuable in the future, they're doing a great disservice to their airline, their company, 
uh, as a whole, if they're part of a group, their city, the, the, the manufacturers around uh, that region that they serve, and also their governments and their employees. If they don't start taking this seriously, well, shame on you. Thanks, Ram. Uh, Stan, thank you. And Des, thanks so much for your contribution as well to our audience. Thanks so much for joining us today. We understand everybody's time is valuable. We hope that uh, the input from the three amigos has been of value to you. Uh, we would love to have you back again in, in coming weeks or months to reflect on what's happening and, and more input on driving the industry forward. To everybody, all of our, uh, your colleagues in the uh, air cargo industry and the wider aviation industry, uh, we send our respect and best wishes. We know it's an industry doing it as, as tough and probably tougher than most at the moment. So we send our, our well wishes to you all and your families uh, and to the broader healthcare and, uh, and first responder community globally. Of course, we send our, our respects to you all for all the work that's been going on the last few months. So thank you, everybody. Uh, we really enjoyed bringing you today and uh, we look forward to seeing you in the future for our next podcast on Logistics Executive TV. Um, we wish you uh, a safe and, uh, and happy day. Please stay, keep your distance, irrespective of what country you're in and what the rules are. Keep a safe distance and uh, look after each other. Take care. Goodbye.